You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A kiss, as defined by Dan Webster, is something pleasing, a caress, a gentle touch. But there's another kiss that isn't in Webster's. Hey world, we're kids! Some critics say they don't make music, they just make noise. Yeah, kiss! Kiss implies the extreme in the theatrics on stage, utilizing fire and smoke and bizarre costumes and the ever-consistent, constant concealment of their true identities. Speaking of which, Kiss is going to have its own comic book soon. Take Kiss with you. It's fun. Show your friends and be the first. Now. And welcome once again to No Time to Turn, a Kiss Nerd podcast. Nerds. It's a, it's becoming evident to me that maybe I'm not a Kiss nerd. <laughs> Why? Because I pretty much hate everything that this band has ever done post 1982, really. <laughs> Is that what you're learning well, doing this trek? Well, no, I always known it, but I'm just sort of like realizing it. that this show really has showed that maybe he's like, does this guy even like Kiss? Well, I might be the biggest nerd out of the three of you then. That might be the biggest revelation. Maybe so. I think nerdum kind of coincides with love and hate for a certain thing. I would agree. I mean, look at Star Wars fans. Oh, my God. I only like three movies. I try not to look at Star Wars fans. Every every Star Wars, at least me as a Star Wars fan that's loved the the franchise for so long since like I was eight years old, only likes three movies. You, which one's the the original three? The original three, yeah. See, but that's me. But that's only because I grew up through that. Well, see, I didn't. Nec- okay, now we're going to go into those a tangent. New but, movies. Well, actually, no. There's an interesting comparison I think that could be made as we're talking about the current era of Kiss now, right? With current and classic era Star Wars, oh. there might be an interesting comparison. So I'll go on. Um, I was technically raised on the original three, but I was again born in 92. So I was given those crappy George Lucas re-releases, but it was still the original story. But I didn't grow up in the 70s with the hype around it. So it's I very didn't either. <laughs> exactly. So I find it very interesting that like with Cap and I, we grew up with those classic Star Wars films and then sure, I may have been a little off put by the prequel movies when they came out, but I still watched them. I, mean, I still well, went to the theaters. Well, it's not unlike, you know, with Kiss, there's a curiosity to everything that they do with guys like us because it's it made they made something special with the original thing and that's really the 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 cornerstone which everything else is built that kind of goes into what i was talking about i think in the last episode Mm -hmm. about how how iconic and special kiss were in the 70s and how you know that that stuff for for the diehard kiss nerd is unfuckwithable. Yeah, yeah. and you that's know? the way the Star Wars and that's nerds the way feel the Star about Wars the original three and, movies. And when you start fucking with, with it, and when you start fucking with it, you're like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and even though it's their thing technically, it's just like George Lucas wanted to make it the the you know the special editions. You know, you're like, what? What are you doing? Yeah, you we know? liked them. And when up. Kiss start replacing members, which we'll talk about on this episode, it's like, no, we like that it, fuck up. Leave, yeah, leave, leave it alone. What are you doing? We're like Gene Simmons, George Lucas. How dare you fuck with my thing? Yeah, you know, it, because because it, but Although, it goes hey, to show how personal it is to the individual. Because it's it's and another Star Wars. Here's a Star Wars nerdism for you. You know what's in there. Only what you take with you. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, it's... Although, I will say, Cap, 
in all fairness, it's not just Gene. We have learned throughout the years that Paul has been the silent, and I don't say this negatively, but he has been the silent manipulator through all this. You I, just I say know, manipulator, the you think evil. Fuck with the bull. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The I just threw Gene's guy. name out fuck there for whatever reason. I just thought I'd throw but a say, name I just, on there. But, I, but it's like, as yeah. time's gone on, you've kind of realized that Gene's been kind of like the goofy stepbrother in all of it that's been just like, I want money. Well, Whatever it takes, I want money. And Paul's been a little bit more of like the puppet master behind the scenes. So I found that interesting as time's gone on that that little piece of history has been uncovered. Well, and you kind of see it throughout this era. Well, this era, you see Gene a lot on TV and just being a kind of becoming a reality TV show kind of caricature of himself. Yeah. Outside of the band. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. We might get into that here and there, but... That was an interesting time period as a Kiss fan in the early 2000s post-Kiss symphony. Yeah, he was showing up on stuff like um, Kiss Cri- I mean Kiss, uh, MTV Cribs. MTV Cribs. He had a TV show on uh, VH1 where he tried to teach little kids how to play. Yeah, <laughs> rock where school. Was, when was that? When was that? I'm this looking that one up, watch. actually. Just like, that, that, I don't know if that's really in the... Was it, yeah, is, is this in the time frame of when we were... Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. This was before the... Uh, the family uh, reality show. This was in 2005. Okay. So a couple years away. Yeah. I was still uh, it kind of in my peak kiss nerdum at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he, both of them were definitely getting in the picture some. Well, coming out of the, I guess the symphony was in what, 2002, correct? We, or was it 2003? 2003. Yeah. Well, Early 2003. Okay. So after this or around that time, uh, the band announced a co-headlining tour with Aerosmith. Which that is, I was really jumping the gun on last episode because I did some research on this. What's funny is I've been kind of on an Aerosmith kick this week, too, just kind of watching a lot of YouTube clips of them. So this will be interesting. Well, and, and by co-headlining, you know, my first thought is on a co-headlining tour, they do the alternating headline switch they didn't do that on this and aerosmith i guess apparently had a clause in the contract that said that kiss had to have at least three original members because you know they'd already cycled peter out once Mm -hmm. but ace is like uh we did a farewell tour (laughs) what are you you guys talking about (laughs) we've done a farewell tour i'm done and of course you know we talked about the 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 uh entrance of Tommy Thayer into the group. Yes. Um, but the question is, you know, if they've got this clause for three original members, Peter was the one that was retained. Mm-hmm. They're the one. He's the one they bitched the most about. It seems kind of weird that I wonder how much effort was made to try to get Ace to come and do this. And, I was thinking and, about and that. had they gotten Ace, would they have done it with all four, or would they have gone, uh, no, Peter, you're not needed. If we'll just the, do... Because have they done the... We did the Eric Singer, too, right? Yeah, yeah. that was the uh, 2001 right, They let tour. Eric Singer come in, and then he's gone, and Peter's back again. This is, this is just... Musical chairs. It's confusing as fuck, but they know most people aren't paying close enough attention. They see the makeup, and they see a guy back there, and they're like, oh, there they are. Yep. That's, I mean, what that's, that's what they're hoping for. That's what they're hoping for today. But they don't understand that their fan base is like, like, that's not right. You know, I, I don't agree. know. But I don't know if that's the vocal, you know, majority at this point among Kiss fans. Well, that's what we're going to see. Is it's, it's that's the interesting thing. We're going to look at basically the decade of the 
early 2000s, the first, I don't know what they call that. The aughts. The aughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Whatever. we're going to look at this basically, we're essentially a seven-year period here, I guess, yeah. on this show, because they get to where they're doing stuff sporadically. But this first thing is the Aerosmith tour. Peter Chris is in the band again because he has to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and what's funny is you go, uh, there's not a lot of promotion on this because Aerosmith was calling it one thing. Kiss was calling it the World Domination right. Tour. And Aerosmith is calling it Rockamus Maximus. Yeah. What the? F- that sucks. I, I, and they're all, that yeah, and that's the other thing that was confused. It's like, this doesn't have any cohesion to it or doesn't feel like it in, in hindsight. I no. mean, it's not like they had two separate promotion companies. <laughs> well, and then there was a, a radio station that was hosting a... Um, like a big launch radio event or something like a big promotional thing where like both bands were, you know, talking about the whole event. It was going to be like this two hour long radio special. Gene and Paul are in studio with the DJs and like Aerosmith is calling in from like different parts of the U S and like, they are so disconnected. You hear Gene like trying to like softball things to the other members of Aerosmith. You hear Paul trying to muster up positive things to say and the most Paul Stanley of ways. And it's just the most awkward and weird interview ever, especially knowing how the whole tour kind of went down, which is, basically a pissing contest between we'll, Steven we'll Tyler. Get, we'll get into that. Okay. I was going to say, so Steven Tyler was like big timing Gene and Paul from the get-go? Kind of a little bit. I mean, he they were is. even pulling their weight saying, we are not going to open for you guys. We have an album and you guys don't even have the original lineup. They You're opening for us. They have that live symphony thing. The Aerosmith one. And it's not out yet, is it? And then Aerosmith. Is has Aerosmith? No. Who's, who's Aerosmith? Has oh, Aerosmith is saying we oh, have okay. them. No, I'm sorry. They have yeah, a no, covers no. album that they were pushing. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, Aerosmith's like, no, we have an album and like. Was it like it was their like basically like it's the class the, like yeah. classic lineup? What it's like their original Aerosmith's one of those few bands who has like the entire lineup yeah, from day one still yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. so they're yeah. like we're still together and we have an album coming out. You guys don't even have your original lineup. You're we're not opening for you guys. This seems like a misstep. No, this is something else I want to talk about in this episode because it seems like they're going to make a series of missteps, and this will lead into our episode that's going to follow they kind of rally but um this seems like a serious misstep because i think it also lowers their perspective their perception in the in the in the eyes of the generalized audience the Mm -hmm. the the fair weather fan yeah you know because even though they're co-headlining they play first which is essentially still an opening slot yeah You, you can sugarcoat it however you want but I would argue Aerosmith was way more famous than Kiss ever was, probably, right? No. Even but, the 70s? But no, I think, I think, I think that um, Aerosmith tapped into, for whatever reason, Aerosmith's music got plugged into the classic rock playlist yeah, but they were still that's on out. you know on every classic so-called cla- aor radio whatever yeah. you want to call it Turn, kiss uh, never channel. got kiss didn't get plugged into that so aerosmith is heard daily multiple times a day on any given city in any given city on any given classic rock radio you know and new songs on like movie soundtracks and, and they, stuff too. they and, and they also sustained uh 
commercial success. Commercial success. Music. I mean, even in this era, I mean, as recently as 2000 or whatever they did. When the Jaded just, came out. Jaded, yeah. 2001, I think. That was a big hit. And um, so I can see where they had the muscle to say, no, motherfucker, we're the headliner. And rightly so. I mean, Kiss is, but Kiss is a headlining, still a headlining draw. I mean, they've, yeah. they've proven that coming out of the, even with the Psycho Circus tour not being as successful as the reunion tour. And yeah. then, but the Farewell tour picked right back up. And again. the Farewell tour did pretty, pretty goddamn good. Mm-hmm. But that was also trading on the back that it was a quote unquote farewell. Last time. And this is not, this is their first tour of the U.S. without, you know, this isn't part of the farewell tour, so it's just like. It's now, do a you confused... remember? Do you remember them announcing this tour? No, really. I was man. I was tuned out. I was so disgusted with them by this point. What had they done up to this point? Just the whole Eric thing. The, yeah, all of it. And I was just like, "What are y'all doing?" It's yeah. just like you know. And I'm like, of course, I'm, and it, I'm. That's kind of the point I was making on the last episode. It's like you take something that was special, something that meant something to you, something that was you know your little thing or whatever, and and they've just like ruined it. And it's just like, man, you know, I just. That's why I'm saying I don't. Maybe I'm not a kiss nerd, you know. I'm, I'm nerd for my my era. I'm nerd for my shit, the stuff that meant something to me. Yeah. But all of this stuff is meaningless to me. There's and and I argue this with friends, but to me, there's no reason for this band to exist at this point. Yeah. None. Well, then I was the Captain, only. Do thing you remember? <laughs> do you remember when See, this tour was announced? I vaguely do, and I remember going like, "Oh, I want to go," and then it was like the middle. It was on a school night or something yeah. like that, so we just weren't going to go, and that was that. No, I, I remember when this was announced, and Mom had a very similar reaction that Russ had. I was still going to Kiss Online every day because I was still in my Kiss nerdum, and even though I didn't like that Kiss was replacing members and putting them in the makeup. I was still going to the website to like look at the history and look at the photos and like I was still diving in really loving into the whole thing and I remember when they announced the tour on the website and I was just like oh, mom kiss is touring again she literally groaned <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean but for a for a fair weather just ro- generalized rock and roll fan that maybe has two or three Aerosmith records or two, maybe two or three Kiss records or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a good idea on paper. You know, you look at it and go, wow, this would be a fun night to go out and see some cool bands. Sure. You know, even though it's not the it's same a bit thing. false advertising. You know? but- I mean, both these bands are kind of past their prime at this point. Uh, the tour starts on uh, August 2nd, 2003 in Hartford, Connecticut. Yes. Uh, on at least two dates of this tour, Joe Perry from Aerosmith joins Kiss on stage when they play Strutter mm-hmm. and he does it wearing Kiss boots yes Paul Stanley's boots I do remember boots. this and so that kind of shows that there seems to be a disconnect even within the Aerosmith ranks as to who does and does not perceive Kiss as cool or equal or you know whatever yeah. you know it, obviously Joe Perry seems to dig it yeah it, Joe well, Perry always seemed to have the cool Joe Perry's the he's the his, cool guy he's the cool guy in <laughs> and even from what that I've, I've understood is he kind of warmed up to it throughout the years like mm. initially in the 70s the whole camp was, was like, like oh confused, fuck these guys yeah. but like as time went on and he actually met the guys I mean hell then shortly after he shows up on what Gene's solo album so I yeah. mean it didn't take long yeah. for him to get hip with it well he does it twice. I've got um, October 5th in Houston and then December 14th in Oklahoma City. 
So it seems utterly random. I don't know how they decide, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, you I know. know. And why he chose that song, mm-hmm. or if he chose that song, if they didn't choose it for him. I heard uh, some audio, and it sounded pretty cool with the extra guitar going. You can genuinely hear the three guitars playing Strutter. It mm-hmm. sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I guess this tour is without any serious drama or any problems between the two bands. I don't, I have not found any information about it. Um, it seems like it was a successful, well, I, I know re- it was a successful tour. I remember from Peter's book, um, which again, take that maybe as a grain of salt, but honestly, like side note between each member's book, it feels like Peter's is a little bit more like, look, here's the facts. Motherfucker. Yeah, here's on, yeah, he's being honest. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm, Tiptoeing around the word honest because I don't feel like either honest four, as he believes it. Yeah, I don't know. think like all either four are completely honest in any of their books. Bro. But like it feels like maybe he's a bit more straightforward with his message. He said that they were in a big time. They, as in Steven Tyler and Paul, were a big time bunning of heads that entire tour. Oh, those two egos? I can absolutely believe that. And he made mention, he goes, and every night Paul's raps got bigger and longer, and he was flitting around the stage more and more every night trying to match and outdo Steven Tyler. I do remember him talking about this. And... I did not look out of there's no reason plus there was no like high def footage from the tour a lot of it was just like fan shot from the thing and I Peter's book wasn't the first place I heard it but supposedly Paul was literally stuffing his trousers on that tour yeah he does mention that in the book well he's wearing a wig yeah but stuffing his trousers Paul is wearing two wigs he has his daytime wig and his nighttime wig his show wig (laughs) I mean it's weird it's just when he started wearing the wig when he started doing that I don't know where he started doing that but it seemed like he did it started doing it around the time of the farewell tour not the farewell tour the Psycho Circus tour he started wearing extensions in the 80s. Well, okay. Well, there you go. So that that was the origin. I mean, you know where it looks, starts. Their hair looks fucking... It just looks so stupid. To this day, it just it's so obvious and yeah. so dumb looking. This is all the stuff that feeds into my dislike for it. It's just like... There's a point where... It, well, I'm just saying... <laughs> What's well, such a facade, too? It's just you know. because it gets so convoluted. It's like, even though Kiss is, by essence, convoluted in their theatrics, it just gets... like It doubles down and starts getting even... Very spinal yeah, tap, you know. Yeah. With Stephen, you know, with Paul Stanley's trying to look crazy. Meanwhile, Stephen Tyler's actually batshit crazy. Yeah, you no, know, that's, that's why you believe what he's selling. Maybe and I, then I the, don't know. And then the weirdest thing I thought from this tour, because again, I've got a warehouse job with YouTube Premium, so I'll just pick a bootleg live show and just listen to the audio as I'm doing my work, just to hear the tightness of the set, hear Tommy's playing certain things so early on. You know, how is Peter meshing? And then. My ears perked up, and I and I ask anyone if they have soundboard recording. You know, maybe post a like YouTube link or something. I couldn't find a soundboard, but I swear to God, Peter is singing to a different backing track for Beth. Yeah, there's some point that changed. I sent, yeah, there there was a we've got a group chat with the three of us on Facebook, and I sent a clip of it that I found on YouTube. I was like, y'all listen to this, and it's like specifically the last verse going into the extended piece when he's handing out the roses. It sounds like a computer synthesizer. Like it sounds like it was like redone in a studio, and it's like it's not the symphony version minus his vocal. Well, and it, but it's definitely not the destroyer version. At some point. Um, 
I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point they've they've you know, we've talked about they sold their publishing back in the eighties. So I don't know how much control or say they've got over the master recordings of their stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're going to play some, again, as with everything, they're, they're playing, they're hopping labels left and right here, it seems like, also mm-hmm. as we go through the next couple of years. But um, and see, and that was my question is maybe did they I, even lose the rights to play the instrumental track live so well, they had to make a well, new one? I don't know that necessarily they lost the rights, but I don't know if there was some sort of like, Pay royalties. Yeah, royalty rate to use that recording. Hmm. They didn't want to pay. But, you know, now they had to pay to use their own shit. Yeah. I mean, this goes into, they're going to later re-record their own shit, which, whatever, that's another story. We'll get into that. (laughs) We'll go into that next episode. But it's just, you know, it's it's curious. I mean, that's the only thing that makes any sense to me as to why they would do that. Because it seems like it's effort. But I just thought that was a very curious anomaly. Unless they just felt like they wanted it to sound more modern and updated. I mean, it, then that's... It sounded cheap, though. Like, yeah, literally, it does sound like, cheap. See, here was the thing, and I felt like you would maybe kind of go down this route, is here was my problem looking at KISS up to this point. Even looking at the Farewell Tour, there still felt like a sense of organicness, like these members and these costumes, even though Gene may not look as good in the Destroyer costume anymore, it still... You look at that last Feral Kiss show, and it's like it still feels like Kiss. It may be a modern Kiss. It may be a little bit cheaper, but like it's still Kiss. I mean, that look little, at now it. you see you just commented on something else that I've noticed as as they progress through these the, through this decade, their stage production seems to get less and less. It does, yeah. and now they've it's reverted like back to their alive costumes. Is that what they're doing on this tour, on the Aerosmith tour? Yes. Okay. Because I thought Gene, that was the, ne- the well, because Gene's wearing that. Uh, it's not, suit. The, but it's similar. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that kind of leathery outfit yeah. with the foamy spikes, and you know, Tommy's wearing the diskies around his arms and all that stuff. So it's a very kind of like cheap looking costume. Now they're using like this weird synth version of Beth. The stage show is very dialed back. Well, and also, here, too, they're the, an opening the, act. And also, well, coming from someone that's a visual guy, think about it. Those alive costumes were handmade with like scrappy material. Like they had, like they were dealing with what they had at their disposal. Sure, they may have had multiple copies, but there was still a certain bit of ragtag to making the costumes. These costumes were professionally made yeah. by like Morris Costume Standard mm-hmm. places. Like, you know, it's like higher than that. You, well, you know what I mean. But like, it, it's such a upgrade that like the charm of like three years in the making up some costumes isn't there well, anymore. They're so was, precise. That was part of the appeal in its time as there was a rawness to it. And, you know, it's funny because the in 1975, a kid that liked Kiss also liked Aerosmith and vice versa. But by 1979, the kid that liked Aerosmith hated kiss <laughs> and that's what made this kind of an unusual pairing because it's like it's like they've come back around or something mm-hmm. and and you know they were sell this is what i do remember remember about this tour is that they were selling it as kiss was doing a full kiss show with full bombast and clearly that that wasn't the case they, i'm they sure had, they, were they had doing a few some, bombs and sparklers yeah. and paul still does a little nope Actually, I don't think Paul even did his flying thing. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I didn't even look at that. I don't know. But I did notice that they did not touch the catwalk. 
Well, I think they had a no catwalk clause. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Uh huh. Because oh, there was a long catwalk. Oh, so yeah, that got to the be, yeah. I think, so I think they had the no because I because I was watching a few. I'm wondering like, is Paul going to utilize that? Because I could so see Paul strutting down that thing, waving at folks, well, th- whipping the guitar behind his like, head. If he did it, they probably were going to get fine fined mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. stupid, which is so ridiculous to me. But you know, there's the famous story about Leonard Skinner opening for the Stones at the yeah. 76 Nebworth, and they got a catwalk. The stage is designed like the lips with the tongue right right and the rolling and what, stone what does, set what does skinner to. do towards like the end of the set he grabs <laughs> ronnie the, van zant grabs all the guys it's like come on <laughs> at the very end of Freebird yeah, on the guitar they, solo they walking down the, the leon wilkinson the bass player his, his lead isn't long enough so he starts stomping down and he's like whoop can't go <laughs> <laughs> yep it's, but it's cool but it's you know it shows a lot of attitude and a lot of you know and, and i we, think i think that you know uh, Stones appreciated it here. It wouldn't have been appreciated. It we've, we've, gotten in- we've got a friend whose father's in a, a semi-national touring act that uh, he allowed his son an opening slide. But that that band also has a catwalk and similar stories. It's like you don't use my fucking catwalk, boy. And he's like, sure as shit. Two nights in, he jumps the right barricade, goes running there. down there, and it's like. But it's funny because it's also the father-son dynamics. He's kind of doing it as a little bit of a middle finger to well, dad, being like, "Fuck you, dad. I'm using your catwalk." Yeah. <laughs> So this tour continues until December 20th. It ends in Fresno, California. This is Peter's last show with Kiss. And coincidentally, it's also his birthday. (laughs) Now, I don't think he knows it's going to be his last show. Because um, his contract was extended until until March of 2004. Mm -hmm. And that was the point where it wasn't renewed. Yep. No, he that, he was he did not quit. He was let go. He was yeah. Well, his contract wasn't renewed. Yes. same difference. That's, that's, yeah, uh, the co-headlining semantics, but I'm not anti-semantic. Yeah. <laughs> co-headlining deal of this tour uh, proved to be pretty successful because they ranked at number seven as the highest seventh highest grossing tour of the year. And see, the, to me, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. I was honestly shocked that that really pulled well i mean it felt like, like said, kiss shot their shot uh it grossed 64 million dollars and now, i much? don't know how that got split and, and you know who got what part of that pie i don't know i think part Doesn't of it was really the aerosmith draw that uh well, the see, success. there's there's you know that's always going to be part of the deal who was the draw and to me it's like you know it was a combo deal i think you know i don't think either one of those tours individually would have done as well no not at that time period so it, it you know it, it certainly the few helped. times those it quote was unquote tour headline shows actually was beneficial most of the time you hear about those being a wash uh somewhere in here after this paul gets his hip replaced yeah this seems nature's way of saying stop <laughs> fucking stop stop <laughs> i mean between that dollar man and his fucking wigs and it's just you know, I, Johnny Ramone once made a comment. He said that there should be a mandatory retirement age for rock and roll. Like, you know, you shouldn't be doing it when you're like 50 or something. And I can think of like a handful of people that could break that rule and get away with it. But there's mm-hmm. not many. Uh, <laughs> We're talking um, about Keith Morris is one of those that can get away with it today. Still, yeah, there's a handful. Obviously, Iggy. Yeah. Uh, you know. Iggy can do it as long as he wants to, man. Just get up there. (laughs) Uh, But Peter's tenure in Kiss has permanently ended as of March 2004. And, of course, Eric Singer returns. And uh, they embark on a 
another summer tour. Is this well, the one? They, this would yeah. So the, so if the Aerosmith tour was two thousand three, in summer of two thousand four, they go on a tour. Rock the nation with poison. I was about opening. to ask. Yeah, this one was the one that had a lot of Kiss fans my age going what. This is where they kind of start getting lumped in with the hair metal audience, you well, know, even post makeup. This, you know, this should tell you a lot. This tour it opens on June tenth and two. Uh, uh, can't even speak. June tenth, two thousand four, in San Antonio, Texas, and it it extends for fifty eight shows. What, what year? Two thousand four, isn't it? Uh, is yeah, this Rock was, the Nation? Mm-hmm. Rock the Nation was a DV. Wasn't that a DVD? Well, this was also a tour, but I'm seeing it in... Um, it does start in Texas, but it starts in Selma. I got San Antonio. And then it goes to 11th and Dallas, 12th but, and Houston. But, but, what year? 2004. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Anyway, okay. this tour reportedly only grossed $8 million. That's to the $64 million a year before with Aerosmith. Yeah. Wow. Is this because of the, it was Poison and not Aerosmith this go around? Or It's it's Kiss just is not, I think there's a there's a bit of a backlash against them playing musical chairs with the, with the members. Mm. I, I will think, note, though. I think it's the fact that, yeah, Poison's looked at as a has-been, you know. So I remember there's this one particular radio show I used to listen to every day after school um, that would uh, talk about KISS a lot. They would say, like, follow our homepage at kissonline.com. <laughs> and uh, they would talk about, you know, how much they were not looking forward to this Poison tour that they were doing and kind of, like, just really just shitting on them. Really? really forward. Yeah, they were kind of – so the backlash was real. Hmm. Something to note, though, is uh, they were kind of changing up the set list a good bit on this tour. Uh, not too, not every show was the same, and they were kind of changing up songs, throwing ones on. Like sometimes you'd hear Christine sixteen, sometimes it wouldn't. Like here's just a random set list I pulled. Opens with Love Gun. It's a bad opener. I saw him do that in '88. Real, yeah, yeah uh, but we yeah, about that. Love Gun, Deuce, Making Love, Doctor Love, huh. all the uh, love, <laughs> Lick It Up, Got to Choose, War Machine, Parasite, I Want You, I Love It Loud, Hundred Thousand Years, Unholy, Shout It Out Loud, I Was Made for Loving You, Detroit Rock City, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, and of course, Rock and Roll All Night. Well, and that's just one of them. But like, it why, does change up a lot. Why they're doing that is a because. I'm sure Tommy Thayer's coming in gung-ho going, you know, and to their credit, Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer were both KISS fans. Yeah. yeah. And solid players. Like, you know, I watched some of this footage. and Yeah, but they don't have the same it, – it really alters the feel of the band in does. a great way. Oh, yeah. And, and I by understand, the time they reached Nashville, they did I Stole Your Love. Sorry, I love that song. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. And, but, I, I, you know, they – okay, two dates of this tour, July 25th and 26th, I think. Is it 25th and 26th or 24th and 25th? 24th and 25th. Okay. Washington, D.C. and Virginia Beach. And they're professionally recorded, videotaped for a DVD release, which will appear the following year. The, here you get to see them play these older songs that they don't, you know, they're kind of like um, pulling stuff out. And I like think that's to the, choose, for instance. And I think that's the, uh, a way to kind of, it's a, it's a, it's like a bargaining chip they have, yeah. You know, with their own fan base, they're they're pulling out these deep cut songs that they know the fan base love, yeah. Because they only do this now when they do their Kiss Cruise thing, which to yeah. me is like they don't understand that you know, 
I don't know. I just <laughs> no, it yeah, always I, bothered I, I me that they don't play these songs and they always stick to the, these like five standards: Kong, Doctor Love, Lick It Up, so or I, Love Gun, uh, Detroit Rock City, with no other deep cuts, with ugly. no other deep. You I know. finally understood it. I was exactly in that spot, and then I even agree with the whole like why do it only on the cruise? I mean, especially because think about it, you know. The only reason I was able to go on that cruise last year is because of the artist I was working with was playing it, and he wanted me there to film. Otherwise, I could not afford that thing. It is ridiculously priced. So you mean to tell me I have to pay so much money to go hang out on a boat with a bunch of other KISS fans just to hear them play rare songs? Not every KISS fan can afford that. Put it in your set. But then it actually slowly dawned on me. They... And exactly as you've said before in so many words, one, they don't care about the main fan, that the deep cut fan they're coming out there for, because they're reaching the people that are like, oh, that's that band with the bombs and the makeup, right? Oh yeah, I think my dad like had a record of theirs and like there his like back catalog. Yeah, let's go see those guys. The oh. ones that don't care that Paul is singing to a track. The ones that don't care that they're not playing deep cuts. Oh wow, Dad, but, guess what? I went and saw Kiss the other night. Right. They played that shouted out loud okay. song and I, I still I know your- that. I get it. And this all adds to what I see as the decline of the band overall because that mindset now extends out to their fan base slowly it is it's like the more they double down on doing not good shit the more the fan base seems to settle for it and go well you know but at least they're still out there and i can go see them and they're still good and i'm not just well, yeah they're good just but kiss, that point kiss of view. good is mediocre and kiss was never mediocre this is my argument as to why it just said like they have no reason to exist but anyway i mean what does farewell tour even mean <laughs> Farewell to the original members. Yeah, well then that and it was, but <laughs> it, it, no, it, it means we desperately need your money. <laughs> I just, I mean, so we'll threaten to point, go away. It's just why? No, they don't need the money. That's nope, the whole Paul point. Did. Remember, I brought that oh, yeah, up in the last yeah, yeah, yeah. episode. Yeah. This is in the throes of his divorce. And to be fair, the popularity of rock music in this era is on a very steady decline, and um, you know, there's a handful of minor acts that have received notices and accolades you you, you know over the years seen this time but period it's, it's still i mean they get they hardly get the commercial recognition i mean they're they're that like alex was saying oh they're that band with the bombs there's, yep, there's the makeup yeah uh, there's um but i'm saying young bands coming up they're not really getting the, no. the traction it's not the same thing because everybody gets one album the, that's the american and- the american youth are now very much into Hip hop, hip hop. This is peak outcast it's, and all that. It's they don't care about rock and roll at all, and so what you've got left, the only groups that are really able to play these large arenas, or now it's all these summer shed tours. Mm-hmm. It's you know, but you still get like the Stones, the Who, ACDC, and Aerosmith that still yeah. draw well, but their records still don't sell. They're not selling their new stuff that they come out with isn't commercially successful on the part no. of where they were in their heyday so you know it's basically the rock and roll era is closing and we're this is the this is the decade where it, it closes the few years following the rock oh, the nation tour big that's what time. well i'm seeing it again just in kiss's own draw between you know the the beginning of this decade and by the end yeah you know and 50 years was a good run for rock and roll 
<laughs> I mean, you know, they, they did good, but I mean, the generation way gap has grown. Sad about it. The generation gap has just grown too great. Well, I mean, it's my thing. I know what you mean. I know, you know? what you mean. It's like but jazz I'm these like, days. I realize I'm like my dad who liked country music. And I, you know, when I was 17 or 16, I was like, I don't want to hear no fucking country music you know yeah i can appreciate it now much more readily but when i was young you know i'm full of piss and vinegar and We're energy to, and everything listening to you kiss know, <laughs> and now the music that speaks to that attitude is is the hip-hop rap and r&b it just doesn't it doesn't extend now the kids don't want to hear a, a crunchy rock and roll guitar they just you know they wrinkle their nose to that stuff um i work with kids that literally don't listen to any rock and roll. And I'm not talking about inner city African-American kids. I'm talking about suburban white bread. I, te- I, te- I teach them. They, they don't, don't give a shit. They teach. They want to learn songs know. that their parents like, but that's, you know, they're not they listening to new completely music. Completely ambivalent towards it. Yeah, there's not no new music they're asking to learn or anything like that, you know. That, hey, is, that is rock. So kids start playing these uh, kind of spot shows, I guess. I don't know what you would call this. They only played two shows in 2005. Yeah. Is this the one with the uh, the VH1 TV special? No, I'm not counting that. Um, okay. I, you know what? I didn't even write down the two I'm shows they played. I'm looking it up right now. Which is okay. weird. They oh, do. the two shows they did play? Uh, I do have that pulled up. Uh, they played April 1st for the Marine Corps Air Station, uh, where they played Detroit Rock City, Deuce Love Gun, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, and Rock and Roll All Night. Uh, it was later released as a DVD. Yeah. Uh, but they also played with a whole lot of other folks, like Destiny's Child, right. Godsmack, Ja was, Rule, yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish, Ted Nugent Richie was on there too, right? and Ted Nugent. <laughs> yeah, I remember that DVD at Walmart. <laughs> yep, I do too. And then uh, they also played uh, September 10th, 2005 uh, for the Honda Family Festival at the Nationwide Arena. There you go. This is something that you're going to mm. also start seeing as this decade progresses. They're going to do a lot of state fair shows and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, that was it for 2005, man. They do six shows in 2006, four of which are in Japan because Japan still loves them some kiss. Yeah. yeah. And then, meanwhile... Now, I will say... Uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go no, ahead. you go ahead. Well, in 2006, we got uh, probably one of the coolest things to come out of KISS since the Farewell Tour, which was the Kissology series. Yeah, I was going to get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, that's why I but, said go, go ahead. Go, no, I was going to say, it, it, I've got that. Before that happens, uh, Paul records a solo album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, we ignored all the stuff, I so I didn't I, know I'm you just, were going to go I, I'm there. Not, I'm just going to mention that it happens. Live to win till you die. Come on, Russ, sing along. I don't know that song. Oh, you so do. I swear it's to God, I don't. Single. I swear to God, I've never I don't heard know. it before. I've never listened to that album so, ever. So we've talked about how Paul Stanley writes montage music. This, this is, is a it. record of montage yeah, music I through and through. So. Lift, the, South Park used it on a uh, World of Warcraft uh, training montage in one of their episodes. And the thing was, is Paul actually got the joke though and allowed it. He's like, okay, yeah, that is kind of funny, and he's like, put it in. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so he does the solo tour with the um the band from uh help me out here the band they used for uh a tv show uh the oh i didn't uh, know this talking about the uh the let's find a singer for nxs yeah i think show. It, well it was it was like that it was a uh, one of those shows where i don't know yeah there was a dvd and there was like a, that's all on youtube it's a good band they yeah play, you know i think do you watch that concert uh, bob culicles part of it 
What? No, 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 I thought not he was. that concert. No, no. Oh, okay, I if thought you, he was part of if it. If you watch that, uh, that concert that he does, but with, it's a, it's it's a good band, but it's a good band in the in a in a kind of relative way. It's, they don't, you know, it's a professional band. Right, I they're say. all like L.A. Yeah. guys. It's or like there's like no fire, there's no spark, there's no. Oh. It's all. Here we go. Uh, his touring band was the time. house band from the CBS TV show Rockstar. Yeah, there you mm, go. That's okay. what it was. Rockstar. Okay. Uh, Halloween. Uh, if if I have this right, it's Kissology is released on Halloween 2006. Yes, I remember. And it features concert footage of the band from their inception to 1977, which was their peak years. And different retailers featured different bonus discs. Do you yes. remember this? Oh God! Well, so I want to ask Walmart. I want to ask you if you remember the special thing they did around this time. Yeah, they did the theater screening. Mm-hmm. We went to go see that. Where one young Alex Stiff was among tenants with you and our other friend Jeff Williams. Mm-hmm. And the fun thing was, is if I remember correctly, before we got to see what was at the 75 Kobo Hall or 76 Kobo Hall? Yeah, 76. It's yeah. January 76. Uh, and right before that showed up, they Gene and Paul did like a special little introduction. Yeah. And I forget if it was you or Williams that mentioned it, but like in the theater, but one of the two of y'all said like, it feels like they recorded that in separate rooms and then spliced it together. Like they were just not interacting with each other yeah. at all. It's That's entirely possible. I don't know. But no, I will always remember that night because the theater was way out of the way. I was about to ask where this was. <laughs> we had to drive 40 miles north of Charlotte to go see it. I was going <laughs> to Yeah, it was just, such a bizarre place. It was like... Some independent theater or something? You would think, yeah. Well, no, but it just... I don't know why. They just... It, we couldn't find a theater. And I think there was a theater in Charlotte that did do it, but... That it sold out, maybe? I don't remember what the... Yeah, I just don't remember what the deal was and we had to drive up to another town either um, way i'll always remember that though because i thought it was so cool because there wasn't a lot of people like maybe 10 other people were there but like after certain songs were done like other folks would like clap and shit like that and i was like this is actually kind of cool yeah i know i you know i don't remember anyone else being there but i'm sure they were yeah there, it was very sparse very sparse those things are special one-off events. I've done that before. I went to see a couple of years before that uh, the Who re-released the Live at Isle of Wight DVD. Uh, I got and a they copy showed of that, that too. on the big screen. And and when we went to that, they gave us a poster and a copy of the DVD for free. Oh, that's fucking cool. I went to go see the Stooges movie when it came out, and I was the only one in the theater. Right, <laughs> the one that was on uh, Amazon, the Gimme Shelter, yeah, or, or Gimme, Gimme Danger, Danger. <laughs> Gimme Danger, and. I went to see that in the theater, and I, I I saw the movie poster, and I went up to somebody who was like, uh, what, do, "What do y'all do with the posters when they get done?" You know, he's like, "Oh, well, I don't know, blah blah blah." Whatever they said, I took it as a no. I'm the only one in the theater, right? Halfway through the movie, this woman comes in, and she's got the poster rolled up. And she goes, "This is for you." <gasps> nice. Oh, that's great! And I was just like, I was sitting there by myself in an empty theater watching this movie, going, "This is the best." night i've ever had in my <laughs> life <laughs> now we'll ask real quick now we don't have to run through each of the kissologies because they release one uh, sequentially each year I bought one <laughs> uh well they actually released well, two in 2007 we, let's but, talk about the bonus disc real quick on the first one okay the, for, just to note them the bonus disc depending on which where you bought it best buy you got the january 25th 1976 kobo show mm-hmm. which is what we saw in the theater yeah at walmart you got a december 20th capital center largo uh 
1977, basically, yeah, the Alive 2. And I want, that's the one I wanted, because Alive 2 was my all favorite. All the other retailers, you got the February 18th, 77 Madison Square Garden show. And I, that's a really good show, by the way. Yeah. And I had that on videotape, and I so I decided back, this shows you just how much the disconnect has been in this time since. I was like, well, I've already got that on videotape. I got that on VHS. Oh. I, don't, I don't need that. So I didn't get, I went, so I went and got the, um, I guess I got the Best Buy one. I think that's no. I got maybe I got. I don't even see, Lar- remember. So Largo was I have on the no best. idea which one I have. See, mine had the Winch. See, Winterland. Well, yeah, but I'm saying the bonus disc. Oh, okay, okay. I the didn't. bonus disc had a different show. So there was each. Depending where you got it, you got an extra show. It's not even the full show. No. Right. Yeah, um, I got a Walmart version. What I was going to ask though is. Um, I know probably a lot of it for you, Cap, was like brand new. Like you'd probably not seen a lot of that. Oh yeah. Um, but for us, was there any footage on this that you had not seen before? Because that was a little bit of a sticking point. There was on it, the message there's, boards. Yeah, there's. Um, yeah, all this stuff had been bootlegged widely. It was good. It was the the good thing about this was you were getting you know not great but decent quality versions of it yeah uh well great quality i guess yeah. some of it but yeah uh, but yeah the, what, what was i see i can't remember what's on which video um so the first had, one um, the first one does the first one have the easter egg with uh with the uh ace's wedding yes that was yes. on this yeah too. i've never seen that, that before was cool and i'm not sure if i'd seen you know they call it long beach it's not we found out in the in the time since it's actually the michigan palace yeah but that footage yeah i don't think i had seen that before i may Mm -hmm. have but i don't think i did um other than that i don't think there's anything on it that i had not seen before uh i remember thinking the cadillac mission documentary was pretty cool because there's a lot of unseen footage i had not seen that like it was presented like a full film i had seen clips of it because there was also footage for the very first time which now we've seen through other leaks um it's the first time we got any sort of footage of them actually playing in the auditorium. Oh, yeah. I'd never seen that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now we've seen it in full, thanks to leakers. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, th- and also the So It Goes from Disc 2. Oh, yeah. I had I'd not never, seen that. I don't think I'd seen that before either. But I feel like the rest of it I've seen. Doc, Don Kirshner's Rock Concert, which was the three I yeah. Want You promo video. Um, yeah, and then Kobo Arena, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, those were the bonus discs. It was a cool set. I really, I was really stoked when it came out. I was just, I, I remember buying it and being really excited about it. This yeah, was, this is a kind of a time period where I was, uh, you know, kind of starting to wane a little bit with my Kiss fandom because of you know that said Poison tour mm-hmm. and how uh, they don't have uh, you know Ace and Peter anymore. But I was excited again because I finally get something that I can go buy that has Ace and Peter material yeah. on it. Well, yeah. that's what they're selling. Yeah, they're selling still. This is very, you know. This is needs to be very explicitly stated. They are very consciously selling Kiss as the four characters, the four personas. They're not selling Kiss as Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Frehley, Peter Chris. It's the they're demon, not selling the star it. Child. Yeah, they're 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 they understand that. Um, and, and to this day, I still don't know anybody that refers but to they, them as this. But, but I know, and they don't. And they, but so really, in fact, what they are selling is Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, and Ace Frehley. It's yeah. just that Peter Chris and Ace Frehley are now portrayed by two other guys yep and that i know that pisses the uh, the kiss fan base off especially the guys that support those guys but that is the fact there's no other way to say it there's no other i mean you go well they don't hide the fact that it's tommy thayer they don't hide no they don't but they also don't really 
you know, they're still selling the concept, and the concept is Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter. It's like a Beatles tribute band. Mm-hmm. It's it would be the Beatles going out now with the two surviving guys, Ringo and Paul, and if they they went out and had. A, a John guy. Lennon lookalike and a George, George Harrison, Harrison lookalike. That's exactly what this is. And anyone, if they did that, people would lose their goddamn minds. But Kiss fans are so willing to stoop as low as Kiss is willing to take them. And that that that's why I can't call myself a Kiss fan. Anyway, <laughs> oh, we got to keep this rolling. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna you know uh, so much more. Goddamn kids, get off my lawn! <laughs> In 2007, they embark on the Hit and Run tour. Yes, this this exhausting four date tour. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have any openers on this run or? I don't know what the story is on this. These start are, July twentieth. This is where I get. I oh my this god! Hold on. Yeah, July twentieth, two thousand seven. I swear to God. Opening act: Clown Sack. Okay. <laughs> Clown Sack. So is this one of those state fair shows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? I didn't write that down. I should have. But what's notable is on the final date in in a, in I don't know how you say this. San is it San Jacinto or San Jacinto? I don't know. I can see clown sack being I like a hardcore Spanish. band. From I didn't take Fable. Spanish. <laughs> anyway, in California, Paul experienced an unusual health scare. His heart rate jumped dangerously high. He gets rushed to the hospital before the show even begins. I guess it's I don't. It's not a heart attack, but it's a rapid heartbeat. Just an irregular. You I don't know. know what the story is there, but. Uh, rather than cancel the group play as a trio mm-hmm. I remember this it was featured on Gene Simmons Family Jewels <laughs> <laughs> so think about it you got to see Kiss with only one original member it was the Gene Simmons band and it was the Gene Simmons show um, but there's speculation that this was the beginning of Paul's failing and faltering voice issues I could see mm-hmm. that especially after that like, have plagued operations. him ever since you made some comment to me Alex once about this is not an unusual occurrence that people that have heart issues start having vocal problems. Vocal problems. Now, now, so, someone I posed, don't know what the medical... Someone posted on the FAQ because someone actually asked the very question. I'm glad someone asked you, like almost probably a year ago because I knew we were going to get to this point in our show, which was someone asked the question, what year did Paul start losing his voice dramatically? Not just the random... Because it does scr- fall quick. Yeah. Yes, because... During the farewell, there may be a little bit of a pitchy miss here and there, but that's to be expected. Right, Whatever. Sure. It wasn't bad. All of a sudden, it took a nosedive. Well, it went bad. Yes. And, and so, you know, weaving through, you know, some of the people being like, you know, 1982, you know, <laughs> shit like <laughs> right, that. Right, right, Someone came in with, like, a legit response that said the specific heart problem he had can affect vocal cords if not treated correctly. And... I just well apparently it, it was treated correctly and it still fucked it as it still took a jump off again a cliff. And, and now it this has is, to do with I, I get, someone will correct me but I feel like there was some sort of thing of it had to do with the blood flow and like lack of blood flow to the certain area yet massive to other areas mm-hmm. I forget what it was but it was like a blockage in some areas ultra clearage in the other and I think like his vocal cords just were not getting the blood flow and oxygen it needed and you mess with you barely touch a vocal cord and it's fucked mm-hmm. so I honestly think that may have been the start of it. To me, this is the one-two punch. It's hip replacement, 
heart problem, vocal issue, which is three punch there. But you know, it's it's done. It's you know this this is nature's way of saying okay, you you've had a great career. There's no shame in walking away. You said farewell. You've tour. already said farewell. I, tour. You said yeah. it's like each one. It's like hey, you said farewell tour. Hey, you said farewell tour. Yeah. Hey. You said yeah. farewell tour. <laughs> but instead, in 2008, they embark on the Alive 35 World Tour. Which is really... Yeah. This is weird, because this is really two tours spread across two years. Yeah, it it's is. It's really bizarre, because they're not pushing any new product. The only thing they're putting out in this era is the Kissology videos. Yep. I and think, they changed their costumes. And I think around this time, they, I don't know what year they put out the M&M's. I always joke the M&M's were the last thing that they <laughs> that put out. That was around Sonic Boom. That was the only thing okay. that they put out that I've enjoyed. <laughs> um, <laughs> then they have the, uh, the like a more scaled back show like we were talking about, too. Yeah, every tour seems more and more scaled back and just slim. Like, it's just they're really going through the motion. Now, well, the first half of this Alive 35 thing, it's it's 39 shows. Uh, yeah. It starts in They couldn't do 35 March. shows? Uh, well, um, th- this isn't <laughs> all one thing. There's 39 <laughs> shows here in 2008. Uh, it starts March 16th in Melbourne, Australia. But most of the shows are in Europe. Uh, they play four dates in North America, including appearance at the annual Sturgis Bike Rally. Woo! And everything else is in smaller venues with but, scaled back production. I think, isn't this the one where they did the one in Las Vegas where they had like basically just a back line? I think you're right. They, they the even, one that came they out of the DVD? Kinda, I don't think they were. No, 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 no. Okay, no, I'm thinking no, something different. No, 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 no. They played no, in Las Vegas. Roll, man. They played in Las Vegas with nothing but a back line. I don't think they had the. I, they may have had a kiss sign. I don't think so because so, I can remember seeing a picture of the stage set up for that. So this is kind of like their uh, their sh- a shed act. They're a shed act right now, right? Yeah, but this is they're playing like at a casino in Las Vegas. It's like a theater for like with like twenty five hundred seats or something. Yeah, this is and, kinda, so, and they, they the logistics of doing a full kiss show in there would have been. In, Probably not good anyway, but so they, they, I, I, my understanding is it's like they're using house lights and it's a it's just their back lines, just some amps and the drums, and they come out, you know, and they sold it as like, oh, we're stripping down and getting back to our roots, which is seems yeah, like I, a I see cheap what, yeah, I see one for yeah. Las Vegas, two thousand seat or sold out. Yeah, I'm sure it's sold out. Yeah, two thousand, but two thousand seats, you know, I mean. I mean, that's, that's about the best they can probably really hope for. They're playing around the same rooms that you know, two thousand seven. And I'm Blue pointing Oyster out. Cult. I want to point this out because. Um, I mean, there are kind of like you were saying, the, the popularity the, the, of rock the, is declining. It's declining, and 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 to to their credit, they will rally. But we'll get that to that in the next episode. Um, now I, I do want note, I do want to note something really interesting though, and I and I looked it up just to make sure I wasn't like dreaming it. They're touring the Alive 35. And if you look at the set list, they're playing the Alive album front to back. Why the hell are they in their Destroyer costumes? You're asking questions about logic and reason. Yeah, that's that doesn't, that doesn't apply, apply with this anymore. Band. <laughs> Why the hell are they touring with two imposter like, guys? Like they just Why like the they, hell? No, the they, question no, but stop. they just no, had the wait, Alive costumes. Stop, time out. The question isn't why the hell are they wearing the... Co- the question is, why the hell are they touring? Period. 
And I will also note that in 2000, what were we in 2008? Yeah, in 2008, they started out with those costumes. But as the Alive 35 tour continued on in 2009, before we get to the next episode, well, we're going to finish. They this. already swap costumes. Yeah, I don't know. Um, into what would be the Sonic Boom costumes? Yeah, but it's still under the Alive 35 tour. So is Clown Sack still opening up for them on these runs, <laughs> or uh, who's uh, are they I hiring wanna, locals? I want to note also that in, to 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 boot as far as this imposter logic goes, and again, I get it. I'm not down on Tommy there. I'm sure Tommy there is a cool guy. I'm sure Eric Singer is a cool guy. Whatever. They got t- the, two of the coolest jobs in the you world. Know, they you got know? the as a Kiss fan, you got offered that. Spot but, you know, you probably would bunny hop right into it. Of course. Uh, but, you know, what is what is Eric Carr doing? He's singing. Or Eric Singer. Eric Singer, excuse yeah. me. He's singing Beth. He's singing Peter Chris's signature song. Not yet. Uh, is he is not he? Doing, I think he is by this point. And on this tour is when Tommy starts singing. Shot me. Not yep. only is it Ace's signature song, it's the song he fucking wrote. It's Ace's fucking song. And, it, this, and they're putting him in that spot and go play, you know, rather than give Tommy a spot to go, here, sing, your song. Here's, here, sing, you know, sing a, something else. Or just do the cold gin. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, that, well, that's, you know, Ace wrote that, but whatever. At least that's a little bit more yeah. forgivable. But is this the uh, the era too where Tommy's starting to do the guitar rocket? Uh, Man, he thing does on stage? his guitar lead, his solo is Ace's solo from Kiss Alive. Yep. Yeah, so he's always done the is, rocket. The only thing he can't do is the smoking guitar. Ace legit has the patent on that. Oh, he, weird. So, that's, so you'll notice. Tommy will Tom. If you look at Tommy's setup, he will do everything except the smoking guitar. He has well, never done the smoking guitar. They could get guitar. away with it. They would be doing oh, absolutely. It. But he's yet to do it. The the tour resumes after seven months uh, in South America, including first time visits to Colombia, Venezuela, and Peru. And you can insert your Ace and Peter joke here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're so they're so dissuade and dis whatever. Mm-hmm. Let me see that photo. Uh, Oh my God! Yeah, the 2008 press photos. Yeah, just, there's no point in why are we showing photos on a podcast? Uh, just showing <laughs> just y'all our reactions. Uh, they take another break for two months before resuming dates again in North America. Uh, let's see, the first two dates are at the Kobo in in uh, Detroit. Yes, these are their final appearances there, and I remember this being something of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, really. Well, you know, it, it kind of because it, I think they were selling it as this is going to be our last appearance at Kobo because Kobo was going to get, I think it tore down and got repurposed into yeah. a convention center. Um, but it was supposed but, to be filmed for a live a record and DVD and all okay, this. Yeah, the, the final Kobo. It was supposed to be happened. this big thing. Nope, none of it happened. Um, it rang hollow for me, but only because of the substitutions and everything. I had friends that went, and uh, they talked about Gene's flying rig failing, I think, <laughs> in one of these shows. So, I mean, you know, but those sort of things are bound to happen. I, we can laugh about it, but, you know, I don't I don't think that, that's, that is that a That would be deal. terrifying See. if we were in that spot. See, apparently I heard... Well, uh, they said he just got... He, he sat there and tried to look mean for a minute and then just... Got like pouted and just hung like a sack of pouty potatoes. Apparently, <laughs> this happened a lot on this tour because I had a friend of mine that told, told me a similar story about how uh, 
uh, not not the rig didn't go bad, but their lighting crew was just off. Oh god, so, yeah. We we there's been whole compilations of like uh, in the last few tours, Gene and Paul just like accosting the light guy. Whoever they hired was not good. And he says the the my buddy of mine was saying that uh, when Gene gets up at the uh, the little uh, landing perch, whatever, and the light the lighting guy misses his cue, and Gene just says on mic. Hey, lighting guy, up here, asshole. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's so many words. I'm up here, dumbass. <laughs> and like, there's been times where, like, you know, they'll like boom in the song, so it's like blackout. And then Paulo, people, nothing. Like, no how, light. How is that again? He'll go people. He'll he'll do it like twice, and there's like still no spotlight on him. And there's like dead quiet. And he's well, like, "Hey, asshole with the spotlight, come on!" <laughs> <laughs> but see, the thing is, is the guys that are running the spotlight aren't part of their crew. Yeah, and yeah, these are, like are local guys. So I, I went to see one of the Misfit reunion shows, right? And they come out, and the three quote unquote original guys, right? You got Glenn Danzig, he's got a spot on him. Jerry Only, he's got a spot on him. And then they have an auxiliary guitar player over mm-hmm. in the back corner. Yeah, and he does. He's got a little circle that he can't come out of. Yep. Right? No, he's kind of hidden. He's very hidden. And then you've got Doyle, the the correct quote unquote guitar player. Right. Guess which one got the spotlight? <laughs> oh no! For almost the entire show. No, no. You got this guy standing over in a corner, you know, rocking out his little <laughs> yeah, not moving. It, you know. And it was just, you know, but these guys, you know, they just, they're told ahead of time what they're supposed to do and what they're, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just basing this yeah, off of yeah. a generalized knowledge. And so, you know, they can't always be faulted for these kind of mistakes. It's just funny anecdotes though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, this tour continued across the U.S. and Canada for the rest of the year, which was, I guess, 2009. Is that what we said? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's spread across and uh, concludes, yeah, December 13th. 2009 in Pittsburgh. So this is the Alive 35 tour. I guess they're celebrating Kiss Alive at 35. And I know, you know, there was no fanfare for it that I can remember. It seemed, yeah, it just seemed like it was just kind of a lackluster deal. It grosses $30 million, but that's spread over two years. Yeah. You know, and it's still an improvement over Rock the Nation. I mean, the $8 million Rock the Nation fiasco. So if nothing else, it proves the band are still a steady draw in the summertime shed circuit. That's kind of it, yeah. And it is important to note that uh, near the tail end of their Alive 35 tour, they did change costumes and started debuting a brand new single on that Alive 35 tour. Do they start doing that? Well, that will feed into our next episode. That is correct. When they do a brand new album. Now, the question, the cliffhanger question I have is, is this album necessary? Hmm. Cap has a lot of words about this record. I already know it. I got a little preview earlier. Tune into the next episode to hear all of it. (laughs) This is going to get fun. I, I I think we hear in the distance a sonic boom. Boom! Sonic boom. No. Boom, boom! More like... But before but before we wrap this up, uh, just I want to say that this does show, you know, despite my, you know, self-righteous indignation, you know, the truth of it is, is they're, they're steadily plugging away and they're forcing the issue and the fans are slowly accepting the new guys and it's working for them it's a memorialized tribute to themselves but 
again, to be fair, it works for them. Mm, yep. It is what it is. You know, if you don't like it, don't go. That's my option. That's the way I chose to be, and I have ever since the farewell tour. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, this is still perfectly acceptable, you know, because they just i you know it's a it's just a generalized apathy and, no, and and nothing sacred though nothing is sacred and so it works there's you know and we're seeing that they, they dipped pretty hard here in the middle half of the decade yeah where but they're slowly for like two years well after that rock the nation tour i mean i don't see that there was any demand from concert promoters to do it no they had to put together some sort of a package to make it sound appealing this alive 35 built around the classic kiss alive or celebration of that album so that probably and like did, just so much weird for him. and like cap was saying just so much weird shit happened in this little era like jane ran off and was doing tv shows you know they're releasing those yeah. kissologies paul you did know. a solo tour all, all, yeah paul solo did so, album and solo then you also tour. had the kiss coffee house cropping up uh vh1 classicals running all the specials well, the coffee so it's house like kiss. they didn't have anything to do well, you with. had you had the they uh, were there a lot though they they, they they were brought in to make appearances they were paid for that they, that was completely independent yeah. the guy was licensing that shit yeah, did, yeah but you know what i mean did though. we talk about the vh1 show uh in the last episode where uh, uh the guys in the band at ace were in the same building or do we want to touch on that on the next episode I didn't even know. Uh, rock honors yeah, yeah. that was a that, whole that, that thing. was this was around that era because they were in their live oh, costumes that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and we kind of touched on it a little bit last episode but yeah it was kind of like vh1's answer to the rock and roll hall of fame not inducting certain yeah. bands and yeah it was such a, it was kind of an awkward thing where ace got up with the opening band which featured tommy lee rob zombie scott ian and slash, slash yeah and they played god of thunder yeah and and Ace got up and played with them, and they were the opening band for Kiss featuring Tommy, Tommy Thayer, Thayer and Eric Singer. Yeah. And Ace has talked I, about I later that. on, he said that that was the first night he fell off the wagon. Like, yeah. he was, like, sober up to that point or was, like, trying his best to be, but it's like that was the night that yeah, broke, yeah. It, broke it again. I can't imagine that situation, being Ace in that situation. That had to crush your spirit a little bit. Yeah. Well, so, um, that was still just yeah, just a bunch of weird of, shit happening in this era. Speaking of getting your spirit crushed, uh, they're going to make a new album, <laughs> and again. So hopefully, uh, you guys will all stay tuned as we discuss all things Sonic Boom. Boom. Boo. On the next episode of No Time to Turn, we'll see you then. Thank you for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.